Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. We're really just going to be gearing everyone up for camp. Now, what if you're like, man, I'm not going to camp, and I would say go to camp. But if you're not like me, don't worry. This couple weeks is not tailored toward gearing up for camp. Make sure you pack a towel and do the shampoo and sleep. It's not that. We're going to talk about Jesus, and he applies year-round. He's the reason for every season. And so, with that being said, tonight's title, the title of our conversation is simply this, A Culture of Encounters. If you want to put that up on the screen for me, Brad, A Culture of Encounters. Now, I was going to entitle it Encounter Culture, but in my mind, I'm thinking people think we're talking about culture tonight when we're not. You know what I mean? Encounter Culture, Culture Encounter. It's just a horrible phrase. If you want to put another title down, you could put I Have a Reason to Worship. That's another one that was just kicking around in the brain, but I didn't choose that one. Uh, Tonight, I want to talk to us about what it means to have an encounter with God. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Uh, the roadmap. Let me just give you a little, little roadmap. We're going to skip a stone and see what happens. What we're going to do is we're going to look about one. What even is an encounter with God? That's a word that we throw around a lot. And who even knows what that is? We're going we're gonna to figure that out. Uh, two, we're going to talk about some things that happen in an encounter with God. Some common things that happen that you can expect when God encounters you. Uh, we're going to maybe see how frequently can we encounter God? Is it just a camp thing? Is it an everyday thing? Do I have to be wearing like my holy jeans? And, and like, what, what happens there? And then finally, I'm going to pray for you. And you're thinking, Matt, don't you pray every single week at the end? And you're right, I do. Uh, but this one, we're going to pray at the end, a very special prayer, and I'll explain it when we get there. Um, but with that being said, we're going to start tonight. Just look at your neighbor and say, get ready. <sighs> this is so scary, guys. I'm going to share my testimony. (laughs) You guys say that now, and then I I get into it, and you're going to be like, dang, he's messed up. Um, But I'm going to share my testimony, and before I do, I need to pray, not for you, but really for me, because I'm freaked out, and it's going to be great, all right? So everybody, let's pray. Jesus, I know that I need you a ton tonight. Um, I am insufficient to do what you want to do tonight. So Lord, I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you could do, that you would speak to every single person exactly where they're at, that these words, these stories, this message would not be of me, but it would be of you, Lord. We invite you, God. We want to encounter you tonight. So God, I pray that you would awaken everybody, that we would not be distracted by this or that, but Lord, that there would be this holy moment tonight where we get to see you clearly and get to feel you, and get to embrace you. So Jesus, help me, and God bless the Lakers, because Jesus, they're not doing good. Amen. Amen. Really, that Laker thing's important. All right, so about me. Um, I've pretty much been a Christian my whole life. Uh, The cliche saying, born on a Saturday in church on a Sunday, could be me. Uh, Definitely is Brandon. Jenny, for sure. She came out of the womb prophesying. I'm sure of it. Um, That's just how it happens. Um, 
I grew up in church. I've been there my whole life. I wasn't super involved in middle school and high school, and then Jesus radically changed my life. Yeah, you're going to get there. But what I want to do is I want to talk about one specific area of my testimony, because to be honest, we don't got time to start at birth on to 25. We don't got that time. It's 25 years. That's a long story. So where we're going to pick up is in 2019. 2019. I knew most of you back in 2019, so this is going to be interesting. Okay, you ready? Okay, Olivia, woo, two people, tough crowd, woo. Okay, so it's 2019, the end of 2019, and I go to this thing called Passion Conference. It happens in Atlanta. Christina was there. I went with Christina, this guy named Carson, this guy named Claire. We went down to Atlanta, and 60,000 young adults gathered in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was epic. The Passion Church, pastored by Lou Giglio, you can look him up, it's an epic church. They decided to host this thing, and it was epic. There were pastors and leaders and worship people from all over the globe gathering in this one building to lift up the name of Jesus. And my goodness, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, right? Now, all these people were super anointed. I mean, every single night, every single session was just like, God, you're so good. And I was a hot mess the whole week. Christina can attest. I mean, we were both just like crying every single day, every single night. Um, but the one moment that stuck out to me the most was on the third session, the third night. Um, the band was playing Build My Life. Anybody love that song? I feel like I bring it up every week, Build My Life. I can't sing it. Does anybody know it? I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm fun. I can't sing, guys. This is why I'm preaching, not singing. Um, but they're playing that song, and, and I'm just down. I'm on my knees worshiping Jesus. And, I, and they, there's a, there comes this moment. The, the band just starts repeating the chorus. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Again, I can't sing. Forgive me. And I'm on the ground. It's like I'm 6'3", and it's a stadium, so I'm like, I'm like, worshiping Jesus, like trying to fit in the, the, the little gaps. And I just stopped singing, and I'm just listening. 60,000 people around me, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I don't even want to try singing the whole thing. And in this sweet, sweet moment, I hear the Lord, not out audibly, but just in the inside say, Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. And I'm like, Oh, and this wave of God's presence just comes over me, like in the middle of worship, you know, it's like the sweet spot, Kimberly hits the high note, and you're like, God's here. It was like that. And God spoke to me, Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy, right? Now, let me give you some context, because you're like, what is he talking about? Well, again, let's, are we mostly mature people in here? Raise your hand if you feel like you're mature. Now, raise your hand if you're actually mature. Yeah, I put my hand down. <laughs> There's a difference there. Let's just be mature here about this. So I'm going to give you some context. Let's, let's, okay, you ready? So when I was like five or six years old, I'll say I was physically abused. Does that make sense? Let you, let you fill in the gaps there on your own mind. I was abused multiple times. It was horrible. It was really, took out really quiet in here really quickly. Goodness, people, it's okay. God's good. Um, but it happened a lot. Um, by the grace of God, I moved away from where I was at. I lived in California when this happened. And when I was eight, I moved out here and the abuse stopped. Whew, praise God. Um, but for 17 years, I told nobody. I just kind of let it sit and just stew on my heart. And I thought, man, it's not really affecting me. You know, it's not a big deal. And I didn't really understand at the time what had happened. The person that it was a part of it just kind of taught me and kind of convinced me to not tell people and hide it and cover it up. 
And so I did. So all through middle school, I, I really struggled with depression. I was in middle school just every single day, like, I hate being here. Now, maybe some of you are in middle school, like, I get that. Middle school is horrible, right? It's like, oh, just let me be an adult with lots of money and a car. You know what I mean? Like, middle school is horrible. Um, it can be great. But I, I was struggling with depression, and every single day I would, um, this isn't the actual one, but every single day I'd write a goodbye letter to my family. I was just like, man, God, I don't want to be here. And I filled out like three of these purple spots. I don't know why they're all purple, maybe the Lakers. But I, I, I filled these out, and I kept them tucked under my bed, and I hid them there. Now, by the grace of God, I got out of middle school. <laughs> Whew, get out of there. High school was better. I got a little bit more outgoing. I could talk to people, hang out, basketball, what's up? But I still had this ongoing pain that I didn't know how to articulate, but I knew that it guided all of my decisions. The people I hung out with, the friends that I chose to like graft myself to, and I still, I just couldn't articulate it. Then I, I turned 19. My entire family and I are sitting in our living room watching this amazing movie called Heart of Man. If you're taking notes, write down Heart of Man. That's an epic movie. Change your life. Uh, it really is. Chad Veach, he was one of the producers. It's amazing. Um, but there, it's this movie that talks about these people who have si uh, experienced similar abuse that I experienced. And I, as a 19-year-old man, was sitting in this room with my entire family, and one person gets on the, the screen and shares their testimony, and it's exactly what I went through. And it was for the first time as a 19-year-old that I really understood what just happened to me when I was five or six. And so I'm sitting there, my family's like, this is a great movie, and I'm over here like... Like, keep it together, man, keep it together. But I still didn't tell anybody. I kept it in, because it's all I've been doing since I was like five or six, not telling anybody. And so I, uh, and I, I rationalized myself, just don't tell anybody. You know, it hurts real bad, like it hurts really bad, but if I don't tell anybody, I limit who it hurts. My thought process was, this would be devastating to my parents if they knew. So I just kept hiding it. I kept telling them, no, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it. And I thought, you know what, this is great. It hurts me a ton, but it's not hurting anybody else. But I was wrong. And the reality was that uh, I, I started having a hard time with just physical touch. You know, just hug your mom and dad. You know, you get home, hey, mom, hey, dad. Like, it was really hard for me. It wasn't before, but it was now. Saying I love you became really challenging. It wasn't that I didn't love my mom and dad, and it wasn't that I didn't love giving hugs and uh, physical touch. Like, it wasn't bad. My parents were amazing but I had hurt that I didn't really address. And I just allowed it to fester and to grow and to mature. And then comes Matt at 23 years old, crying on the floor of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And God says, Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. In a moment, 30 seconds of God just speaking to me, a tidal wave of this revelation that, man, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. Everything you've been believing that's kept you in this box for 17 years is a lie, and you don't have to believe it anymore. So what I did for, for the last two days of the conference, and then as we drove home, I literally repeated myself, Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. You're a dummy. Don't do it. Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. And I got home, kicked down my mom's door. It was like two in the morning, right? Sorry, mom. Uh, and my dad was in there. He was on a trip, and I told my mom. And, and you know, the, the fear of telling them, and I thought they'd be ashamed. I thought they'd be disappointed. I thought it would be this big thing melted away like that because my mom's like, I'm so sorry. She embraced me. She hugged me. She told me it's going to be okay. And then from there, I, I got to tell my dad a few days later, and, and he, same thing, embraced me. It's okay. We love you. We're going to get through this. And then I went on to meet with some pastors, some friends. I got a counselor, which was awesome. 
I have a counselor, had a counselor, had a counselor, whatever counselors. Um, and I got help and, and the Lord just did this deep, deep work in me through a singular moment with Jesus at a, at a conference, right? Now that's my story. That's where I'm at right now. I've gotten great healing, great freedom. There was, I was serving in youth before, and most of you know, I took a little break from serving in youth for a little bit because I needed to get healthy, right? Couldn't get healthy preaching like two, three times a week trying to write a series and love you guys at the same time. I had to step back. But, but that's Jesus. That's what he does. He wants to encounter us. He went, I'm going to switch over, and it's not going to be as heavy, okay? We're good with that. You're all like, this is deep. I don't feel like I can laugh at his jokes because it's like he shared something intimate, and I'm uncomfortable. It's okay, guys. You can laugh if you need to laugh. Brandon has big eyebrows. Ha <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, laugh. Chill out. An encounter. <laughs> it's funny. An encounter. You can put it up on the screen for me, Brad. This is what an encounter is. Nope, not that one yet, Brad. I love you, though. An encounter is when heaven meets earth as God expresses himself toward us. The Lord's prayer is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When heaven meets earth, that's what an encounter is. When the reality of heaven comes down and overpowers and influences the the reality of earth, that's an encounter where God shows up and expresses who he is, where he comes on full display and shows you who you are. That's an encounter. Now, things that happen in an encounter, you'll notice that these happened in mine, is that God often wants to speak to us about our past, our present, and our future. Just a reality. Hey, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? Oh, well, that was his past. He was killing Christians. And then he says, hey, uh, you're blind now, present. That's an epic story. Go to Ananias, and he's going to be there for you. And that was the future. Three different sections where God spoke to you. Jeremiah, I, before you were born, I called you. I ordained you. I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Don't worry about where you're going to go, because where you're going to go, I'm going to be there with you. He's talking about his future. When God speaks to you, he usually wants to talk to you about your past your present or your future. Now, when God speaks to you about your past, you can expect hope to come out of that and healing. Because when God speaks about your past, he's often shining a light on something that you maybe didn't want a light shined on. But it's always for healing. It's always for forgiveness. It's always for redemption. There is nobody in the room who's too far gone. There's nobody in the room who's done something so bad that they can't be redeemed. They can't be loved by God. They can't be forgiven. They can't be restored. They can't be set free from. There is nothing, neither height nor depth, nor principality nor power, no thing in heaven or thing on earth that can separate you from the love of God because of Jesus. And when we encounter God, he shows up in his fullness. He shows up who he is. So when God encounters you, you start knowing what he's like. Oh my gosh, can I tell you what? Jesus is the healer. You don't have to tell me that. I could read it in my Bible, but I experienced it. When I was born, I was born with my legs a little bit crippled. I had to wear these braces like Forrest Gump. It was epic. It really wasn't. But I hated them. I was, ugh, they're horrible. And I had these braces on, and I learned to take them off as a kid. And then one night, my parents were like, why don't we pray for this kid? And so they prayed for me. The next morning, I woke up, and my legs were straight as an arrow, and I never needed braces again. You don't have to tell me that God heals people. I know God heals people because I encountered God as a a young child and it forever marked my life and left me changed and set me free. And so I expect God to heal people. Okay? Ooh, man, that's good. (sighs) Praise God. 
encounters, simply put, they just mark you. They leave you changed. A few weeks back, I preached and talked about the encounter I had with God on a plane, listening to another worship song about um, you don't give your love in pieces. You don't give your heart to tease. You, you give your love fully. There was a song, and I'm sitting there at the back of the plane looking at 200 people in front of me, just weeping at the reality that God loves everybody. And these encounters just mark you. Now, I think all of us would say, yes, Matt, encounters. Let's do it. How? <laughs> right? Nobody hears about God doing something miraculous and thinks, I don't want that for my life. You know what I mean? God sets people free from depression. I don't want that. You know, I'd rather stay where. No, nobody thinks like that. How do we begin to entertain and how do we begin to get into these moments with the Lord? And I'll say it like this. I, I, love, in, I love camps. Anybody else love camps? I love me a good camp. But I'm just going to point out something that's concerning to me, okay? When we talk about camps, we talk about leaving to encounter God. Let's go to camp, spend $200, go encounter God in the middle of the woods in some cabins that stink. Yeah, I love that. I just had an incredible encounter with God at a conference very similar to a camp. I do not hate camps. I love me a good camp. But if we're not careful, we only expect God to encounter us at camps. I'm going to go to get an encounter. When God's sitting there like, I'm ready for you right now. And you're coming and you're going and you're waking up and you're rising as you're eating lunch, hanging out with the friends. God is ready to encounter you wherever you're at. Brad, now you can throw it up. Guys, this is a little interesting. I, we're going to keep this really short. I wrote almost 70 encounters I've had with God down on a piece of paper. It was an extensive list, but I tried to reduce it. We have 42 Encounters I've had with God written up here on the screen. Now, the reason I'm doing this is not to say, look at me, how spiritual I am. I'm definitely not. Guys, look at me. I'm a goofball. Like, no. What I'm trying to point out to you, and, I, and if you see anything on the screen here that you want me to tell, like, explain, just shout it out. Like, I'm serious. Just shout it at me if you see something on there. And I'll explain to you what, what it was. But if you notice, as you read through these, don't look at me, read the screen, you'll notice that a lot of these happen in some really random spots in my day. Go to the next slide for me. Go to 11 through, I think it's 19. God stopped the rain during work for two years for me. Did anybody want to hear that one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I work, I cut doors for a living and add glass to it like a baller. Super handsy. Um, handy? Handsy? Ooh. Jesus. <laughs> handy, not handsy, people. Praise God. I signed the background check, Brandon. I swear. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. Um, so I, I am handy, and I cut doors for a living. And for the first year of me working at this company, every single install I'd done was in, like, the pouring rain. And by the end of the first year, I was done with it. I was like, God, if you did it for Elijah, do it for me. Stop the rain when I'm doing an install. So for two years, it's been two-plus years because it's still happening now, I have not done a single install in the rain. Now you're thinking, Matt, it's just convenient. It's coincidental. It wasn't raining. So, like, a couple months ago, I was doing an install. Oh, I was driving to a house, and it was pouring rain, 100% chance of rain all day, every second of the day. I pull up to the house, it's still raining. I walk to the customer's front door, knock, 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 explain what I'm going to do, and I say, hey, I'm going to cut the door out by my van on the street. And they look at me and say, do you want to use the garage? It's raining. And I said, no, it doesn't rain when I do installs. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, and I explained, a year ago I asked God and he hasn't made it rain when I was doing an install since then. And they're like, okay, this guy's a freak. And so I'm like, okay, watch. I'm going to open the door, and it's not going to be raining. Stopped raining. 
I did my one hour install, finished it up. And as I'm finishing up, I'm like, hey, I'm done, Mr. Brian. And he's like, oh, wow, I guess it didn't rain, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And you know what? I bet you anything, as soon as I open the store up, it's going to start raining again. Starts pouring rain again. And the guy's just like, who is this freak? And I'm, I'm like, this is so cool. But catch this. The next appointment was three houses down. Three houses down. So same thing. Pouring rain still. I knock, I go up to the front door. Here we are. I say, it's not going to rain. They're like, are you serious? Boom. Stops raining. I complete the install. Finish the install. They're like, I guess it stopped raining. I was like, I guess it did. But I bet it's going to start raining again once I open this door. And they're like, are you serious? Boom. Rain again, guys. This has been like an ongoing thing for two plus years now because God just cares about me in the details, but he encountered me there. Right? <laughs> Ooh, shut up. About Matt, about me. God caused it to rain when I went on a run. God, uh, 13, God spoke to me while picking my nose on a drive home from school. That was a good one. Go to the next slide for me, Brad. Let's pick another one here. Did anybody see anything they want to hear? Um, God used me to prophesy to a CEO, someone that's five years old, 85 years old, uh, gave me a word for a brother who had taken his own life. That was a really hard one. You want to know about picking my nose? Okay. I was on my way home from school, just to the knuckle in my nose. And I was just like thinking to myself, okay, if somebody saw me here, how is I going like, to explain what I'm doing here? Like, like how am I going to explain this? And so I'm alone in my car, just like rationalizing. I'm like, you know, <laughs> If there's gold, you dig for gold, you know? I mean, what miner, knowing there's gold, wouldn't dig? That's what I said. I literally said it out loud, joking myself, like, <laughs> what miner, knowing there's gold, wouldn't dig? And like that, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God dropped in my van. And, and God literally is like, yeah, what miner, knowing there's gold, wouldn't dig? Every single person has gold within themselves. They have identity. They have calling. They have purpose. And if you're willing to see it and dig it out, I'm willing to help you dig it out and show people who they're made to be. <sighs> I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so good. Keep going. There's another one. There's, there's more slides. Keep going. That was a good one. God spoke to me about dating, marriage, and relationships, all of which I have not succeeded at, so he may not have. Uh, it's a joke, people. Um, several dreams describing houses he wanted to give me. God gave me a dream about a house, a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house with a 1,200-something 1200, uh, address. That's the word. Uh, it has a poster on the inside of the house that says, in memory of the faith of the king. So I've been looking for a house that has those things in it. It's a white house. There's a garage on the right. It's on a little hill. It's an epic dream. Uh, what else? God spoke to me about grace through a soda fountain. That was a pretty cool one. Uh, God gave me a dream about how to, how to, get, how to handle getting fired from my job if I were going to get fired. Because I was really afraid because I was really bad at my job the first year. I was like, they're going to fire me. And God's like, hey, this is how it's going to happen if it does happen. Get ready. You know what I mean? He's super encouraged me. Um, go to the next one. Uh, God spoke to me at DC Connection where he made me aware of the ripple effects of that epic week that we had. Um, God spoke to me about why it's okay to cry. That's a juicy one. Um, God spoke to me uh, about why I should hug a Burger King employee. Um, that one was funny. Uh, God spoke to me about how to shout and how to dance, you know. Um, that's embarrassing. God spoke to me about using a semi-truck in a one-lane road, like a super slow semi-truck, driving, super annoying. Like, I was like, eh, like, come on, dude. And God's like, I'm going to speak to you about that now. Uh, anybody want to hear any of those, or are we going to move on? The crying one? Okay, the crying one. I was, again, crying when this happened. And I, I was, there's a point where I was like, I'm a man. I'm not going to cry. This was like early in my walk with Jesus. And then God's just like, um, Matt, 
if you don't cry, how am I going to wipe away your tears? Because Revelation, I think it's 22.1. No, it's 20. Oh, don't quote me on it. It's in Revelation that he'll wipe away every tear. But how is he going to wipe away my tears if I'm holding it in and not letting them out? And then Psalms, it says that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. I'm holding in good seed by not crying right now. So I decided, man, I'm going to start crying all the time. And so I do. God spoke to me about crying. Um, and, and we'll move on from here. But, but what I want you to notice is that very few of these happened at church. Starbucks, all the time. Driving, a lot. At work, when the rain stops, I'm like, yeah, Jesus, prophet. But most of these just happen in your, your coming and going, your everyday life. I didn't need a camp to have any of these encounters. Encounters are amazing at camp, but I want you guys to have an expectation, a giddy, just mm, God's going to do it every single morning when you wake up. Because God is outside of time. So he wants to speak to you while you're sleeping in your dreams, when you wake up in the morning, when you go out for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, when you're hanging out with your friends, when you're going to school, when you're at sports practice, when you're avoiding sports practice because you're a little tired and don't want to go. Every single moment of your life is a divine opportunity for God to show up and for him to show out and for him to encounter and change your life. It's amazing. Think about it like this. God, creator of heaven and earth, master builder, the one who was and is and is to come, alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who said, when I'm creating man, I'm going to create him in my, in, I'm going to create man in my image and likeness. He sent Jesus down to earth to take on our sins, to forgive us of our debt, to make us right with him. What about this God? Even in Psalms, here we go, in Psalms, it says that he thinks about you every single day more than there are grains of sand on the earth. What about that God makes you think he doesn't want to talk to you every day? Every day, every moment, every second. So we got to get back to it now. How? Well, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Have we asked for a prayer? Have we prayed, God, I want to encounter you? I know that sounds silly, but it's simple. God, I want to encounter you. It's not going to rain on me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> There was thunder for those in the podcast who can't hear that. That was epic. We ask God for an encounter, and then we make space for him. Christina over here doesn't put anything in her passenger seat when she's driving because that's Jesus' spot. You guys giggle a little bit, but she's expecting God to show up and show out. She has an anticipation that she's not riding alone in that car. God's with her in that car, and he's going to talk to her in that car, so that passenger seat is wide open. Myself, I love to read my Bible all the time. Every single one of these, you can take these down, Brad. I think they might be distracting now. Um, every single encounter I've had with God all is deeply rooted in Scripture. I'm not talking about go out there and just feel your emotions and see what happens. No, don't do that. Go back to God's Word, have a foundation in God's Word, and let God speak through His Word in an amazing, powerful way. But what I'm saying is, if you want to get into the presence of God, have a value for it. Moses, he was instructed to go into the promised land in Exodus chapter, I think it's 33. Brad, you got it on the screen for me? You're on fire. Exodus chapter 33, it says, Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people, um, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. God said, Hey, Moses, go into the promised land, and I'm going to send an angel of the Lord to go with you. But Moses was like... <laughs> I don't want no angel of the Lord. I want you, God. So if you're not coming with us, then we're not going. 
Moses said, it's better to be in the desert where I can encounter you than the promised land where you're not there. You're more important than physical possessions. You're more important than my schedule or my timeline. God, interrupt me. God, interrupt me. God, interrupt me. God, my calendar is your calendar. My time is your time. My sleep's your sleep. God, I want you to move my day. I value you, so I'm making time and space for you to show up. Now, people say, Matt, I don't really like love God like that. I, you love God. But I don't love, love God like you. You're passionate. I'm not that passionate. I was telling our connect group before service that people always ask, how do you get more passionate about reading the Bible? It's really interesting, right? If you're like Thanksgiving people, do anybody starve themselves before Thanksgiving dinner? Like I'm in a big old belly and I'm just going to make sure I'm ready for a big old meal, right? I do that. In, in the natural world, we starve ourselves to get more hungry, but in the, in the kingdom of God, we feed ourselves to get more hungry. I need to say that again. In the natural world, we starve ourselves to get more hungry, but in the kingdom of God, we feed ourselves and get more hungry. When you read your Bible, it stirs something up inside of you that says, I want more of that. When you get into the presence of God and he moves and says, Matt, your thoughts aren't trustworthy. You're like, man, this hurts, but I want more of that. Let's go. And you start encountering God by getting into the presence, getting into the word, getting into community, reading your Bible. And you just begin to day by day, minute by minute, line upon line, brick upon brick. God starts speaking to you and changing your life. And he encounters you. He encounters you, and it ruins it. I mean, it, I'll be straight with you. I don't want to lie to you. It ruins entertainment for you. I mean, I have lost all excitement watching The Office because I've tasted of something better. You know, I, I'll explain this. Um, has anybody ever listened to, like, really, really janky ear pods or headphones? Like, really low quality or maybe like a Walkman. Does anybody know what even a Walkman is? And you try running with a CD Walkman, and it's like, beep, look, oh, I can't even hear it. Like, once you've experienced really bad quality, anything is better. But once you experience the best quality, you got those Bose noise-canceling headphones that you can run with, that they're like, they somehow figured out how to make like a thousand baby sheep into the comfort of your ear. It's amazing. And then it cancels out all the noise, so your mom's like, do the dishes. What? Yeah, I mean, it's like, once you've experienced the best, everything else is ruined for you. Once you've experienced the tenderness and the sweetness of God and Him calling you by name and and just loving you, healing you, restoring you, man, everything else is kind of cheap. You don't want to live that way. You don't want to settle for less when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Uh, Kimberly, you can come on up here and make it sound spiritual if you'd like. Um, Revelation 19.10. Oh, if you have a Bible, you can mark it down. You can put it in your notes. Revelation 19.10, it says this. For the testimony of Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Mm. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That is very churchy, those words right up there. Testimony, Jesus, spirit, prophecy. Those are some big old Christian words. Can I simplify it for you? The testimony, you're welcome there. The testimony of Jesus, it's just anything God's done. For me, he, he, he exposed the lie that I was believing, that I was broken, that I needed to hide. For me, it was that he healed my legs when I was a kid. For me, it was he set me free from depression. There is a, I mean, I can't even begin to quantify it. There are so many testimonies sitting in this room right now. Everybody's got a testimony. Maybe you're working on yours right now. We all are. But everybody's got a testimony, right? So it's the testimony. 
The testimony of Jesus, what he has done in your life, is the spirit of prophecy. That simply means that what God has done for one, he will do it for another. So the testimony of Jesus is prophetic proof that if God did it for me, he can do it for you. And then some. Everything that God has, and I was super antsy and unsure about putting all those random encounters I've had with God on the screen because it's not about me. Who am I? I am, God, I know I'm special. I love you. But I'm not that special, guys. I'm not crazy anointed. I'm not some elite Christian of the Christian world, blah, blah. I don't even know how to describe it because I'm not it. I'm just a guy who's had God encounter him his whole life. Just keep showing up. Man, I, God, I want to talk to you. A lot of it's been birthed out of hurt. God, I need you. I can't keep going like this. Some of it's birthed out of just excitement. Ooh, I love the presence of God. Let's worship. But it's just been God keeps showing up. He keeps changing my life. So everything you've seen, everything I've shared is not reserved just for me. It's for you too. There's this interesting thing in the Bible that talks about imparting things or sharing things. Battles that I've won, I can share with you where I had breakthrough and God set me free from depression when I was in middle school, I can share that with you. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in you. There's this transferring of what God has got a victory in can be applied to you today. And so what I want to do to end this message about the amazingness of Jesus um, is pray for you that everything that God has done in my life would be done in your life too. The good stuff, of course. (laughs) Hello. You don't want the bad stuff. But the blessings, the encounters, oh, the encounters. If you're working outside, start praying that it doesn't rain. And watch it not rain. Like, it's so cool. Everything. I I had those encounters up on the screen. Maybe you saw one that spoke to you. Maybe my testimony about my, my, the abuse I dealt with as a kid, maybe that was something that kind of rises up in your heart a little bit. Or maybe you're thinking, none of your stories really mean anything to me, Matt. That's okay. I'm going to still pray that God would encounter you and begin a story in your life too. Um, So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for you. But before we do, everyone just kind of close your eyes. This is the weirdest part of service. Why is he asking us to close our eyes? Because I don't want you looking at me. That's why. Um, There's a potential that maybe you're in here and you don't know who Jesus is. I've been talking about this guy all night. And I just want to let you know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And he's the Savior of you. Uh, during worship, God was really talking to me about how he doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect in all of his ways. And I just want to maybe prophetically share with everyone that you're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. You're beautiful. You're, you're his masterpiece. You're, you're so beautiful. Jesus loves you so much. And, and if you're in the room tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Would you go ahead and just slip your hand up? If you want to accept Jesus into your life, maybe the first time, maybe if you want to rededicate your life and you haven't really been following Jesus, but you want to say, God, I want to re-upped with you. Would you just slip your hand up if that's you? Okay. All right. All right. Great. And I'm going to pray just everything that's happened in my life, the good, the blessing, the favor, the healing, God, you do it in their life. So Jesus, God, I thank you for every person, first and foremost, that responded to you, Lord, and that have invited you back into their heart. God, I thank you that you would begin a beautiful journey of relationship and friendship with them. God, that you would show them, just like Isaiah was talking about during worship, the beautiful identity you have given them, God, that they are your masterpiece, that they are beautiful, God and that you have a great plan for their life. 
Jesus, you've been so good to me. You have been so, so good to me, Jesus. So I ask that every little bit of grace that has been given to me, God, you'd give to them too. Every single person in this room, leaders, students alike, God, that the grace that you've given me would be on them, that they would have encounters with you, Lord, that they would have a deep, deep hunger for your presence, that they would be so enthralled with knowing who you are and encountering you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would meet us here tonight, that as we go home, Lord, you'd be meeting us in the car rides home, that as we go to Taco Bell and as we go to bed, Lord, you'd continue to speak to us. As we rise in the morning, you would speak to us. As we're going to school, you'd be speaking to us. As you're eating lunch, breakfast, dinner, God, you'd be encountering us every single moment of every single minute, God, that you would be on the move in our lives. Jesus is the testimony of Jesus. It is the spirit of prophecy. So God, I pray move mightily in us. God, everybody in this room who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God, I pray you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit and that you would encounter them tonight. God, I pray you break every lie in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you set every captive free in the name of Jesus. I pray that every lie that people are believing would be gone right now and that you'd put a hedge of protection on every single student where the enemy wants to come in and confuse things and mess things up. God, I pray that you'd protect them that there'd be no demonic activity, there, there'd be no depression, no spiritual forces that would come against them, God, that you would set them above the water and that they would walk on the water with you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and it's in your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, guys. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.